So we're on the air. My apologies for the technical difficulties, but I hope it gave people more time to think, to try to respond to the uh, basic question that is a topic for tonight. Uh, I was hoping that um, I'll be able to sort of uh, almost have a night off. You know, it's something that uh, I'm sure there could be a lot of responses to that basic question. Um, the truth of the matter is that um, I saw my father-in-law of Naiman in action um, preparing very, very hard for the shoeless night shear that he gave. Uh, learning through the Gadata Gemaras that he had given out to the fellows to each take a piece and try to say a Chiddush. And he said almost nothing. He just listened to them. And I learned from there that it's able to listen properly. You have to be very prepared. But to this kind of a topic is really very personal for anybody who is so inclined to share. And um, it's the most welcome and appreciated. So just to set the stage, uh, in our last uh, get-together, we tried to explain as best we could uh, the Gemara of Hill and the Gare, which presents the fundamental concept that the entirety of Torah is encompassed with one single concept of maintaining, enhancing, respecting, celebrating, engaging, and forging the true close relationship with Hashem that's described as friendship. And it starts with a starting point of Hashem giving to Klal Yisrael that relationship. The Pasuk says, We are called Hashem's friend and he is the friend of our fathers going all the way back to the Avos. Of course, the, the ultimate goal of it is to bring that to its fullest fruition. And we have many other sources that were sent out. I don't think tonight uh, is the right time to try to go through them. But we could see there many sources that express very clearly Hashem relating to Klal Yisrael with the closest, intimate relationship, calling us Achai Vereyai, my brothers, my friends, calling Klal Yisrael, Tamar brings Am Kroivoy, his beloved close nation, Imi, Biti, Achoisi, Imi, expressions of such closeness that are just you know, beyond our comprehension. The the Beinah Bachi in Mitzvah Tzfilin brings from the Gemara and Brachos and says that Chazal had no way to convey the closeness of Hashem to Klal Yisrael, the Dveikus of the Shekhinah to Klal Yisrael, except to say that Hashem wears Tzfilin in which it says, as his crowning glory, Mik Amcha Yisrael, and the Gemara asks, is, is Hashem honored and glorified by his nation? The Gemara answers, yes, it brings the Pasuk that Klal Yisrael is the peak glory of Hashem, and that's how he designed the world, and that's how he relates to us. And many, many other very clear sources that uh, I think would be worth finding a good time to analyze more in detail. But uh, for tonight, I think it's really worthwhile to get in touch a little bit with why it's difficult and what we could do, perhaps, uh, to address the difficulty, why it's difficult for us to relate to this, why it's difficult for us to feel it. And it's important to know that because if our 
natural reaction is, oh, I can't feel any of this, I can't relate to any of this, then perhaps isn't even possible to accomplish very much by learning it, because it's all blocked off. So I think it's very worthwhile for us to have that honesty and that self-awareness to try to understand why this idea, as well-based as it might seem to be, as beautiful as it seems to be, as desirable as it seems to be, is still very difficult for us to feel. So the floor is open for anybody who wants to share something. I only would ask to try to keep it concise because we know the attention span nowadays is limited. <laughs> so uh, it's good if you could keep it to uh, some kind of a... Um, somebody yeah. recommended to me recently a Chinese fortune cookie type thought. I can't hear you. I cannot hear you. Okay, how about now? That's a little bit better, yeah. Yeah, I hear myself as an echo. My father would say okay. loudly, clearly, and distinctly. I would say that as much as you want to believe and do believe all of these hazal and make them real and act with them as the basis for what you're doing. For me, I find that whenever you go, whenever I go and start doing something with that, it's hard to keep that mindset and you just always fall back into, I just fall back into the mindset of it's something I have to do, I'm supposed to do or not allowed, but it's, it, maybe it's just the perspective previous perspective that's just attached to all the actions. It's hard to let go of that. Meaning it's not just... Let go of what? I'm not clear. Help me out. What What is it hard to let go of? Let go of the idea that the mitzvah is just something that you're supposed to be doing or have to be doing and that's also good for you and that is also because Hashem loves you. Oh. Right? Being like, okay, an answer, you know, okay, it. I have to, but I should want to have to. Like, I should be happy that I have to. But whenever you go, it, I'm going to be doing what I should be doing with the mindset of it's good for me. You, you can't. I mean, I think it's just that other perspective is so strongly attached to all the actions that you do that when you do those actions, you just automatically fall back into I'm doing this because I have to. Okay, very good. Um, I'm just going to. Um repeat very briefly, it's very strongly ingrained mindset within us to relate to the mitzvot as obligation, obedience, submission, with just, you know, an attending thought that it's also good for me. But the way that we are used to thinking of it, relating to it, experiencing it is, I have to do this because I have to do this. And not in the sense of connecting with Hashem. Okay, that's, um, I think there's um, no doubt about that. No question about that. And that's very understandable how it's not easy to change the very strongly ingrained um, mindsets and uh, attitudes towards something. Um, I remember reading in uh, the uh, three day issues uh, brief biographical sketch of the Alto Slabotka. He said his, his ideas were so novel that he had to say them over and over again 
and shmuzim and vadim and private conversations till they started registering in the minds and the hearts of the Talmud. So something that's unfamiliar is definitely going to be not easy to sort of switch to. Okay, excellent. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah, That's all good invitation. <laughs> Go ahead, Yaakov. He had to repeat them because they were sublime or because they were complex? They were so new. He writes it as they were so novel, so chidistic. Even though really, if you'd ask the altar, he would say, this is just what it says in the Torah, what it says in the Gemara. It's all there, you know. <laughs> Not saying any chidistic of my own, but they were unfamiliar to the Eulah. So I think in our case also, the concept of relating fundamentally to the Torah mitzvahs as forging connection to Hashem is something that's novel to us and novel in the world. And also I think plays into it the fact that um, you don't want to hear this too much or at all. And uh, we're naturally influenced by our surroundings, our environment. Ready. Go ahead, go ahead. We're losing you. That last couple of sentences weren't clear. Oh, let's try again. Isn't is now better? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, we're saying that uh, it's it's not only new to us, but it's really unfamiliar in the world at large. We don't really hear too much or at all that the entire essence of Taira is forging connection with Hashem creating a very close relationship with Hashem that could be only understood through the human experience of friendship. So the fact that it is new to us and not really to be found elsewhere makes it all that more, quote-unquote, chidishtik, and therefore needing a lot of work to connect to it. I found myself just recently... (laughs) It wasn't like the first time, but like the first time after a while of like trying to actually consciously think about doing something as not to be yotze, the obligation, but here's a means of connection. Let me say this bracha, to connect with Evishta, to really give a, give a expression of a karasatayr. He's allowing us to use his name and celebrate his chesed. <laughs> This is so very maybe different. that's the problem. Maybe the problem is that they're just ideas. Like, when does a person ever even take an idea that you heard or a concept and make it real? Like, everything that you believe, is what you come to believe without you even knowing why you attitude. It's just your way of being. All of a sudden, you change your perspective on something, forget about in anything, even nothing to do with Torah. It's just, this is what I think. This is how I view things. This is what work is. So I go to work. This is why I do it. But what, I have a different perspective. It's just an idea. Okay, it's a nice schmooze. It's a nice idea. But what is your your conscious connection between you doing the mitzvah, between you going to shul and happening, and why you're doing it? It's all just what you've been doing, your perspective, your whole life. So any perspective, you can't just change like, oh, it's a nice idea. So how do you bridge that gap between being a nice idea to know this is reality and what you thought was reality is actually not true. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that there is maybe a piece that's somehow overlooked in the educational process. 
because a young child cannot be expected to relate to this in a mature way. He's still only a young child. So he develops some way of doing what he's supposed to be doing, you know, at home, in yeshiva, following rules, keeping mitzvot, of a childlike form. And there needs to be a significant change in that as he gets older and more mature. So he needs to be sort of informed at some point, maybe you know, somewhere in the high school years, that now you're becoming already wiser, more understanding, more intelligent. It's time for you to start thinking about your yourself and your connection to Torah in a more mature way. And here are some ideas, and that has to be continuously, you know, expanded upon and reviewed and uplifted, upgraded so that there's a process of making that transformation from the child-type relatedness to mitzvot to the more real, true, actual desired relatedness. You might say, well, a person learns Chovos Halvavos in Beis Medrash and it says there that the Iker is the Levavos, that will do the job. But... Uh, I don't know, could be like, we need to be sort of alerted to the fact that it's not going to happen automatically. Like you're saying, whatever we are accustomed to becomes ingrained. It doesn't change by itself. Okay, is there anything of even a different nature that somebody wants to sort of put out there um, regarding this basic issue of um, feeling the friendship of Hashem? Not trying to put you on the spot. No, just encouraging. If there's something that uh, you're comfortable sharing, we're eager to hear. Um, and at any point, you know, you could you could jump in and you can even cut me off with what comes to mind. I will gladly defer. Um, going step by step, I think another uh, very reasonable um, element that makes it challenging that the entire concept of having Daddy, it very... ready. Wait. I'm going to mute it. Um, the entire concept of having a very close personal relationship with someone of such supremely exalted nature is... Um, very, very difficult for us to wrap our heads around. If, if at least we had some example in our own life of having some experience with someone who was extremely, unusually, uniquely great and also completely approachable, accessible, with you, loving you, uplifting you, then... Would, there would be at least a marshal, some marshal, in your own experience. Of course, we have a good Mishalim in the good Svarim, the biography Svarim. Um, but it's ain't a domet of a person ever sensed it in his own real life. Of course, the more, the better, the better it will be. The more real that kind of combination could be to us to have even a marshal able to apply to Hashem. 
but without that, the whole concept of someone who is so great, so exalted, so way above, can also be completely connecting and allowing us and giving us such a gift of complete connection with him that uh, this is not simple at all. I think that like just to get our mind wrapped around even intellectual sense is not simple at all. And then to actually try to relate to it. I think, I think along the same lines, like we feel like it's a contradiction to Yerashimai. And actually, in Avos the morale is concerned. If we're going to have, explain the Mishnah being concerned, if it's going to be Shalom serving Hashem Me'ava, so there could be such a closeness, such a feeling of love, the Yira. So the Mishnah has to end off. There could be the combination of the recognition of Hashem's greatness without losing that, this proper form, while still having the closeness of the Ava. But um, I guess, you know, again, without a real good example of it, it seems hard for us that the two things can coexist. How could we have the, the, the somehow curse Hashem's infinite, infinite shlemus and is also with me and is also relating to me in a, in, a, in a real true way? So I think that's quite challenging in the best case scenario, without any other like, challenges being in place, it would be an amazing accomplishment for us to be able to make that combination. So um, it's quite understandable if it's not natural. Um, let me just check. I just want to clarify that last point. You're saying it's not natural because you're doing both um, the, the Ava and the Yira, or is it because the Yira itself is too large? Well, the Yira, the year, I don't want to like, misunderstand the Yira, but just simply Hashem's greatness. Do you think, is it possible to have close connection with, some, with, 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 with someone who's of such fantastic godless? So, you know, if you saw it in your own life, so then you could believe it. You could see how, yeah, you can come to Abel Yashiv and you can ask the Shaila and you, you feel comfortable and he's, he's answering you in a very, very friendly way, very calm, nonchalant, you know, accepting, you know, warm way. You can come to visit Amisha and he opens the door and says, and you feel Niagara full sweetness pouring on you. <laughs> Like just got drowned, like you know, now I get full of sweetness just just drenched you, <laughs> just from saying kum tahein. Okay, Shashifa, you know, just in the same room is like <laughs> every every interaction you feel uplifted. So okay, so you can have a sense like it was always like 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 almost not comprehensible to me. How could it be that we know how the Shiva? You know something we know we know a little bit you know we know how hard we have to work to understand one svara at the same time we feel like it makes it enables us to feel like we have something to contribute in the year we have that our contribution is, is significant it matters it's it's, it's it's being done somehow together it was you know it was quite a combination 
Um, after a while, I think I got too close. I had to pull back a little bit. <laughs> so if you had if you had something of that nature, and there were other people from the who the lift was like the warmth was pouring out. <laughs> The really great people. Okay, we can read about it. Rabbi Meiser, we can read about it. Okay, of course, the barrier, the mission, the car ride, the person doesn't even know he's with the Godel. He has no inkling. He didn't know he was Mercedes the background. He didn't know who Ramesha was. He rode from the mountains. He didn't know he was with the Godel at door. It's just Chavitz Chaim. So when you have some awareness that this is the peak godless, they're learning it from the Ebishta. It's Dakush Faruah. The Ebishta is with the person in the most intimate way. So, but that's very, very hard combination to make. Um, I think there are you know, other significant factors that uh, it's Kedai to touch on um, because they are. They are significant. Uh, it's, it's pretty reasonable to assume that our basic relatedness to Hashem is impacted very much by how we relate to, related to other authority figures in our life, especially parents. Um, and of course, parents are human. Um, they could mean very, very well for their children, and they could still do things that are very contrary to creating a good relationship um, or creating the for a good relationship. They could think that um, it's Kadai to only give love and attention when a child is behaving well, because that will be very powerful. Um, cause to make sure they behave well. They desperately crave their parents' love and attention. A, per, a well-meaning person, but not so well-informed, could think that that would be a good approach to take. But what will happen as a result? The child will think that they only can receive, they're only worthy of love and attention if they are performing with good behavior in a satisfactory manner, which would mean that they're not innately worthy of it. They have to earn it. And who could know if we've done enough to earn it from Hashem? And just the very experience of being caused to feel that I'm not worthy of it innately is extremely harmful to a person's whole sense of self. And they could develop the fundamental feeling that he's not worthy of love and attention. And then he cannot imagine that Hashem could have it for him either. And what, can Hashem, what kind of Hashem could it be if Hashem would give it to him when he doesn't deserve it? And what, what would it be worth to him if he's receiving it without really being worthy of it, just out of Rachmanus? Rambam says by the mission of Chavad Meshavim that the making known to a person the Chavivas shows that Hashem has covered for the person. Because if you just give somebody a great gift but you're not machshiv them, then you might not let them know about it because they're not really chashiv to you. Just giving it to them out of Rachmanis. 
to give some somebody a gift, especially the gift of your relationship with them, it can only be valuable and only be meaningful, only be enjoyable if you feel worthy of it. If you feel fundamentally unworthy of it, it's not going to work. <clears throat> not going to be experienced in the right way. And then there's another another element I think that's a very powerful element. And that is when fear is used in the wrong kind of way. Of course, there could be sort of in the, in the lesser form, so to speak, even if a person is taught about the fear of Einish in a way that's not really understandable correctly. It's not coming from a basic understanding that it's only for our benefits and everything that Hashem is doing is only chesed. We'll take it as some kind of a um, extreme consequence that he doesn't even understand necessarily if he's deserving of it. So then that's creating very great distance. Because again, fear comes with distance. Even the proper kind of fear, Moira, there's some distance. But if that fear is of a improper type, of a one where I fear negative consequences that are not based on what I can understand is warranted and helpful and, and, and logical, then it just becomes like Hashem is a source of fear that creates a lot of distance. It's similar to what Ravolbi writes about the parents being able to control a young child with harshness because they're very dependent. But then the result will be that the child, when he's a teenager, won't talk to the parents. What happens? That harshness has created a emotional distance, emotional blockage between the child and the parents. The parent may have been very well-intentioned, but it has blocked the close relationship that was necessary to enable the child to be sharing his life with his parents. So, and of course we know that the most powerful emotion that could be used is fear. When all else fails, how do the parents get the child to come when they need to go somewhere? Sadly, we know, fear of abandonment. It's terrifying. So when the parent says, okay, I'm leaving, you could say, I'm leaving. And the child says, no, no, I'm coming. So that's instilling fear, very powerful fear. But that doesn't bode well for the relationship. I'm not saying one time is going to destroy everything. But um, in the same manner, if there is fear projected as coming from Hashem, then that is creating a barrier in the relationship. And if it exists in the parent-child relationship, then that can get projected upon Hashem. Because whatever we experience, if the parents is ripe, to be projected is very natural to be projected on Hashem, the supreme authority. 
And the same thing will be if um, the child senses that um, their role in life is largely to serve the needs of the parent. The parent has a need for obedience, respect, and good social standing, nachas, um, you name it. And the child senses that uh, the mitzvah of kibbutz means that they are supposed to serve the parents, that they are there essentially to serve the parents' needs. That's not the mitzvah of kibbutz, but that's not for now. <laughs> kibbutz is the person who's doing the mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah of the Torah to provide the parents with good service. But um, without getting too involved in that, if a child perceives their role as to be servicing the parents, it's very easy to project that towards Hashem as well. And they'll understand the Vodas Hashem as, as, without even realizing it, of course, unconsciously, as servicing Hashem's needs for service. So that's not going to be closeness and connection and friendship. That's going to be that they're serving the needs. So that's not going to be very helpful. That could be quite the prevention. Anything makes sense so far? Anybody want to react to this last uh, segment? Okay, we can, you know, continue with other variations of this uh, basic uh, scenario. The parents are extremely critical and extremely demanding. That can also be projected that they'll feel they won't be able to be ever doing enough to be able to say uh, Hashem's demands. If a, a child could feel that he's a fundamental disappointment to his parents. So it's also setting the stage for the fear that um, maybe is a disappointment to Hashem as well. And that will take a lot of restructuring to be able to let go of that perhaps powerfully ingrained precedent and able to forge a new kind of relationship with Hashem. Somebody said to me that um, uh, it's very hard to have understanding and to relate to Hashem as our friend if you don't have that kind of a very close relationship with any other person in your life which sounds quite reasonable, you know, in its own right. It's valid. Aura. They're able to initiate it. Hashem to be the first one with whom we're going to have a really close friendship. <laughs> That's quite a jump. So uh, it's quite understandable that, that it would help very much for us to have a some kind of a sample or example in our life that uh, can help us to have the muscle better and be able to use it a little bit, but Ravilah would say, <laughs> Ravilah would say that once a day you should say, "I love you, Hashem." That's right, absolutely. By talking to Hashem, besides you know the uh, the uh, three tefillahs that are that are the, the kviyus, right? We have to know how to talk to Hashem, right? Excellent, excellent. And we can't know somebody we don't talk to. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, now, for some people, it's not so easy to express affection. 
<laughs> they're not they're not used to that. It's not part of their natural daily vocabulary. So if somebody is used to saying to their friends, to their children, to their spouse, I love you, <laughs> they can say to Hashem, I love you, Hashem. <laughs> Hashem's <laughs> the first one. <laughs> not gonna be so easy. So uh, so we, maybe we have to start with getting used to expressing our affection to people in our life. And then we can carry That's on. Important concept in it's a mitzvah. Hashem is telling us that he loves us. He's saying, But uh, <laughs> it has to be both ways. It's a mitzvah every day. The Mechavetz Chaim says, we should try to some feeling of it because we're saying, and it's a mitzvah to try to be the mitzvah that we're saying, like as opposed to have to, we have to read film while we're saying, shouldn't be that we're saying the mitzvah, we're not doing it. So in the same way, when it comes to Amos Hashem, we're supposed to try to mirror that feeling every day. So, uh, let's see what else we have. Oh. Someone raised the, uh, raised the question, which is a very valid question. In human relationships, in human friendship, it's uh, there's some kind of a uh, two-way street. You're not going to find, you know, a real friendship where one is giving to the other and the other is not giving anything. There's uh, invariably some kind of a, ideally, a real good partnership where each one is helping the other. So somebody could ask, well, what do I have to give to Hashem? Hashem has no, has no needs. Hashem is sholim. Anybody want to take a shot at answering that question? I believe that we could answer that question. Of course, we can't give to Hashem in the same way that we give to a person. But there is something very significant that we have to provide. The way Hashem designed everything. So, so what does it mean, Rabbi, that we give Nachas Ruach Yitzray? Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> so um, the simple answer would be again like the Ramam says and the Ramchal says and the Mamarikrim the Torah is and so we're using that Moshal the Das on the sheet is like very powerful shyness of Hashem is desiring to be to delight to be together with his children like a father with the only child and uh, that mushal is needed to as a way to convey, but what? To convey what? That nachas ruach, what is Hashem sameach over? What is the real state of being that is, can be described as Hashem is besimcha? Of course, we know that he is able to be mated, that his desire, his milisachesed, his desire to give the maximum good can be, can be actualized. So how does that come about? How does that have to come about? Through our part. Because if we're not choosing it, we're not working for it, we're not making it part of us, then it doesn't come into existence. So the Ramchal says, ultimately Hashem's plan will be, will be accomplished. So we don't have to worry about that. But we have to focus on our role in it, 
Do we have a role in it for Hashem's goal to be accomplished? Very big role. For, for Hashem's chesed to come to us, we have to be like Hashem. We can only be like Hashem through our making ourselves shalim. And that way we are somewhat like Hashem. Hashem has to help us in the process. But we have to do our part such that it's considered our acquisition. It's of ourselves. Then we can really be connecting to Hashem. Then we can really receive all the good of that connection. Then Hashem's good desire can be achieved. So we have something very major to contribute. But to think in such terms as if we are contributing in relationship with Hashem, that's also a fantastic concept. To view ourselves as the one who is given and trusted with that precious, desired, beloved, whole world purpose mission. We have to bring it about. That's a lot, huh? But if we do, then we could see, oh, yes, there is a real, there is some kind of partnership here. Hashem is making it possible for us to connect to Him. And then we are making that good choice and choices and good effort and efforts to bring it into the mice. Another um, sort of very simple, basic element that uh, somebody touched on is the fact that using any mushal with regard to Hashem is not an easy task because we know it's only a mushal. We know that Hashem doesn't have the actual human emotions. But nevertheless, the Torah is written in such a way, Chazal is speaking to us in such a way that we're supposed to be using the human mushal as the way to understand it as a way to relate to it. We cannot understand it without that. The, the Torah is given to human beings that have human feelings. We have to utilize them. But at the same time, we know that, of course, Hashem is infinite and perfect, as unchanging. So to make that combination where we know that it's a mushal, but nevertheless, we use the mushal, we engage in the mushal, is somewhat of a tightrope. Now, Michal uses that expression where after he talks about how everything that we say is only borrowed expressions because otherwise couldn't say anything about Hashem except for the concept of Divir Torah, Lashem and Adam. He ends off, We have to be very careful not to get lost in the mushroom, not to totally humanize Hashem and forget the actual, the emes. But this is also part of the emes. So, to make that combination in its own right is, is also quite an accomplishment. How are you able to like say that without like just killing everything that we just said? <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't pay to try to avoid it. It doesn't pay to try to hide from it. It's not Kedai. It's going to come back. It's going to surface. At some point, you're going to remember Oh, but the Rambam says that Hashem doesn't get sad. Hashem doesn't get sad. Hashem doesn't get happy. So Hashem doesn't feel love like we feel love. And we have to know that. But at the same time, Hashem says, understand my connection to you 
through this, through what you feel, what you experience. You know the pain of your good friends ignoring, forgetting something that you recommended and going a little further away and not respecting the friendship. It's something so precious to you, so chashif to you, so beautiful that any deviation from it, so painful. And you know, if you do it, you don't feel good either. So we have to use this. Hill is saying to the Gary, you know, you can, you can relate to what is the essence of the Torah. The, the, the starting point and the end point is the closest relationship with Hashem. All the Torah is the means of it. Chazal <laughs> would say it, we couldn't dare say it. We couldn't dare say it. <laughs> it's calling it, calling it Kula, Kala Torah is. The, the friendship connection with Hashem through all the means of the Torah. That's the ultimate culmination of everything. So we have to use that mushroom. Use the muscle to what? To say that it's similar to what? What is the muscle saying? That that the, the, in the pure ruchni form, it has a likeness. It has a similarity. It can be understood somewhat through these human experiences, not through human weakness, not through human neediness, through human greatness. Not to discount the neediness, that also has a, has, has a role to play, also can contribute something. You know, parent-child. The Ramachal is talking about the, the father to Ben Yochid. That's very real, that's very human. <laughs> it's very natural. You know, the Maestro of Israel Salanta, the marshal that he gave, uh, the, 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 the Rebbe has a beloved, devoted Talmud who he loves, and they, and they, and they are rebellious spiteful son who he hates and they're in the boat together and the big wave comes along and throws the boat over who does the father lunge to save the son the son who he hates <laughs> because the the ingrained father son love is so powerful that intellect is, is gone in the time of crisis he lunges for his son with all the love that he has for his talent so, of course, we need to give, give respect to that. But it's not limited to that. I, I don't think that's, when it comes to using the Moshele Gabi Hashem, it means to project on Hashem just simply the human needs. There's, there's the human greatness. It all stems from Hashem. But you know, the love of someone, of a pure nature, of a devoted nature, of a, of a, with respect, with admiration, with recognition, is not simply of because I need it so much, but the Rambam describes kinds of love that, that are that are that are working together to help each other. That's a very high level. Doesn't mean that that that, that you need only that to be able to understand it. But there's there's levels and levels. Go ahead. We're saying that there are certain feelings of love that we have that are we can't attribute to Hashem, but there are other feelings that we could. Those are, those are not really human. Like what? Right, right. I just, I, mean, I just mean to say that, that um, we could find some comfort, so to speak, in using the mishalim, since even in the human situations, 
there's a lot of purity that is also to be found there. The, 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 the dedication of the father to the child is not only based on instinct. There's also a sense of responsibility, of commitments, of there's, there's also midas that are of pure ruchni nature that are contributing very much to it. So Mela, like, you know, I, I don't mean to say that that's the human parts have no place in the mushroom. They also have a place in the mushroom. But <laughs> it's not like, you know, how can we use a mushroom like Abba Hashem who doesn't have the human needs? Even in the human re- relationships, the Medish Rabbi at the end of Bo, the king's daughter was captured and he saved her. He went out and he fought against the, the marauding bandits, his enemies, saved his daughter. Then he made a great celebration and he told her, take the gold and silver that was here in this great simcha and make it into a crown for yourself. Make it into a crown. So, so you should never forget that, that, that salvation that I did for you. You can ask the question, is the king supposed to risk his life to save his daughter? What's going to be with the kingdom? Tarot says, yes, he's supposed to risk his life for his daughter and teach his kingdom what it means to be a father. So, what is she supposed to be remembering? Not just that your life was safe. She's supposed to be remembering also what he's teaching her, what he's showing her. That dedication is of such a exalted nature that it's worth risking the life of the king. And that's all part of what the whole country is learning and that she is learning. So the Mishalim contain some very, very beautiful aspects that are roy to be only coming from Hashem. Even in, even, even in the marshal, there are aspects that are rooted in the, the highest level of Tzalem Elohim. So, um, I hope this is uh, something to get things started and try to think about um, how we can uh, address some of these challenges. And uh, if anybody has anything to add to this conversation, they should please uh, call me or text me. And um, Mr. Shem, I'm sure in the future we'll be continuing it in one form or another, Bezos Hashem. I want to thank everyone for being with us tonight, everyone who might be listening afterwards. I want to wish you a very good evening. If anybody who wants to stay on after the official conclusion, they're welcome to. But right now we will consider the Chabura coming to its pause for the night. Thank you very much, Rabbi Sai. Okay. Okay, very good. Yashukayach to everyone for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you.